Welcome to the Hanover Valley Podcast, a ministry of Hanover Valley Presbyterian Church. We are located at 133 Carlisle Street in downtown Hanover, Pennsylvania. Check out the rest of our website at hanovervalley.org. Thank you for listening. Turn to the book of Acts. We're going to do another, another installment of our series briefly out of the book of Acts, looking at the life of Christ in his people. Uh, the life of the church as it was manifest in that first century and um, find, uh, find the grace of God in it and how it might transform us in the same way. Uh, Acts chapter 4, we're going to start reading at verse 23 down to the end of the chapter. Uh, follow along as you can. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and, uh, and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. They were, there were no needy people, no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he, ha- as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field, that he owned and brought, it to, and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. This is God's word. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your word. And we pray that as we, as we uh, study it, as we hear its message once again, that it would have impact on our hearts and on our minds, that it would change the way that we engage the world around us, and that, uh, and that it would make us the people you desire us to be, the community that you desire us to be, that ultimately it would make it the world that you desire to be uh, for your glory and for the benefit of your people and, and for the uh, advancement, the expansion of your kingdom in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I went to um, 
not recently, this is a story from a while ago. Um, I went to my primary care physician, and he and I, he and I have become pretty good friends over 20 years. I've, I've, I've known him t- probably 20, 25 years. Um, and so, and, and he, I mean, I would say he probably, I mean, he knows me pretty well, you know, um, um, at, at, the, at the level that doctors know you, my, my, my doctor. And so there was one time I'm, I'm going in, I don't know what I was going in for, but it required rubber gloves. And so while he's doing rubber glove things to me, I said, uh, so doc, um, <laughs> is this what you dreamed of when you went to medical school? Uh, is this what you were hoping for? Was this, you know, to be a, you know, to be a doctor and, you, you know, I, it, with, with all the, the pus and the blood and the, and, the, and the spit and the mess and the throw up and the, and the bacteria? Is, that, is, this what you were, is this what you were hoping for when you were going to medical school? He said, he laughed and, and, and uh, cause you know, I, I probably take up too much of his time cause he comes in and we'll tell jokes and share with each other. But he, he, he says, you know, he, 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 uh, he paused, you know, from his work and said, you know, Drew, your job and my job aren't that different. He says, all I do is clean up the mess physically. He says, and all you do is clean up the mess spiritually. And in a, in a way, we laughed about that and how similar the jobs are. But there is, there's great, there is great similarity in these ideas because what, in, in some ways is that when we go to the doctor, when we go, when we go to the doctor, what we're, why, the reason we go to the doctor is because there's something, there's something that we're noticing that we don't know. Is, it, is this good news or is this bad news? Okay? I mean, I had, I had, I had a, 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 a sort of... A, a spot on my arm the other the other week, and I, I you know I go I, that I hadn't seen before, and I go back. Was, was, does this look like something? She's like, no, I don't. I don't think it's anything. Let's keep an eye on it. But if not, then we'll go talk to John and ask, see what John says. You know, and there was some. Becky had a Becky had a, a little a little abrasion on on the side of her face at one point. And she goes to the doctor. You know, she says, "Did you notice this?" I go, "No. What, what's wrong?" She says, "Well, there's something here. Can you see that?" I go, "I can't see anything." Well, I'm going to go talk to I'm going to go talk to the doctor and see you know to her her you know go talk to Jason and see what he says whether it's something and it turns out it was something they took care of that it's mine turned out to be nothing but we go because we're not sure if we're not sure what we're seeing we're not sure if we can identify if it's the signs of life or signs of not life and that's and there's a sense where that's what doctors tell us about our physical bodies and that's in many ways another similarity between John's job, John, my doctor, and the job that we do, that I do here, is, is when people come to me and, 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 they, uh, and they have difficulties and we, and we talk and we do counseling or we, or we spend a minute, it's, it's most of what I do is try to help people identify the signs of life that they're going through. And when, and when, and when Luke gives us this story... When he tells us about, the, uh, about what's going on in the church, he's showing us in this, how do we know, how do we know when God shows up in a situation? Because it's not always obvious. And sometimes, and then, we, and then the next question we need, that we're asking, how do we know if God shows up? And how do we know if God's involved? How do we know if God has his fingerprints on a situation? And then if he does, is it for is it for life or is it for death? Is, he, is, it, is it to help or to hurt? Is it, for, is it to 
heal or destroy? What is he, what is he doing in those moments? Because it's not always obvious. Even, you know, it wasn't, and it wasn't any more obvious to them than it is to us. And we have to, that's why we, that's why we, often we don't know or understand how God is at work when he, when he shows up in a situation. And in this situation, if you remember from last week when we looked at the passage, at the early part of the passage, John and Peter uh, heal a man, and because they heal him from his, from his, lep- from being lame, um, it causes a stir. 5,000 people suddenly become a part of the church and, cha- and change the direction they're moving in their lives. And the, and the religious establishment gets very nervous about that and puts them in prison and immediately begins to persecute them. Calm down. Don't talk about this anymore. Don't stir the pot. And, but then they're released the day after and they go back. This is the, the continuation. That They go back to the church, that their, their own people. They go back to their, to their community and they share everything that's happened. And then they begin to pray about it, giving God praise for all. And, they, and Luke, Luke tells us what they prayed. When they finished praying, it says the room began to shake. The earth shook. And when the earth shakes, that's a, that's a principal sign when God is showing up. We see this throughout Scripture. When the, when the earth shakes, when, when, when things begin to tremble, when rocks, when mountains, and it happened, you know, one of the principal times, one of the first times we see it happen in the Scriptures, Mount Sinai. God comes down on the mountain, and the mountain shakes, the earth shakes, and then people start shaking. And they say to Moses, don't tell God, tell God, tell God to, to, that, that we don't want him here. Tell him, tell him uh, that uh, make it go away. They were so afraid when God showed up at Mount Sinai. But when he showed up at Mount Sinai, what did he do? He didn't... The shaking, the shaking wasn't because he was angry. The shaking wasn't because he was, he was about to bring some sort of condemnation. The, sh- the, shaking, he, the shaking was because... Well, the shaking is the natural effect when the weight of someone, the weight of something is too great for the place where it's bearing its weight to be born. Does that make sense? It's like, you ever walk, when I, when I, was, in, uh, when I was in seminary, Becky and I had our first apartment, and outside of our first apartment, there was a, there was a little stream that went by. And uh, in the winter, it would sometimes freeze over. And, if we, and, and in the summertime, you could cross the stream and go across the field, and I could get to the grocery store with a quick walk because I cross all the, you know, I cut the corner off. And I, used, I get used to doing that. Now, in the wintertime, it would freeze over, and it would actually make it easy to walk across the stream. Well, one day, wintertime, I go and I, it's wintertime, and I want to go to the grocery store, so I'm going to go to the grocery store, and I go to walk across the stream, and, the, and I always test the ice, and it seemed fine at the edge, and it was only when I got out to the deepest part of it that I it discovered that it wasn't fine. And I could tell because 
it begins to crack. It begin, I hear this sound, that little squeaky ice cracking sound. And, and then suddenly, and, and I, as soon as I knew it, I began to take my weight off of it and move back. It was too late. And my foot went in. And then I, dumb me, I tried to get back up on top of the ice to get out. And then my other foot went in. And then I stumbled on a rock. And then I went in. And then I finally made my way out. It wasn't, it's not very, you just stand up and walk out. And so then I walked back, and my sister had been visiting us that weekend. And, she, and, she's, and I walk in the door, and she's, she's laughing on the floor because she said, I saw you the whole time out there. You looked like an idiot. Um, the ice quaked because the weight I was bearing on it was too much. That's what ice does when the weight gets too heavy. When the earth bears the weight of God, when God shows up, when he puts his weight on the earth, it shakes, it cracks, it rumbles, it crumbles, not because he's angry, but because he's in its presence. That's the, that's the, the natural sign. That's the, that's the wonderful weight of the glory of God when he shows up. Not to destroy, not to condemn, not to, not to, not to cause condemnation. And, and, and even when he showed up in Mount Sinai, when the weight of God came upon the earth, when the glory of God shows up, he even says, why am I here? What was the first words he spoke? I am the Lord your God who rescued you from Egypt. That's why you're here and that's why I'm here, to rescue you. Another, at the other end of the spectrum of God, sh- of God showing up in the earthquaking, another m- massive major element of when that occurred was on the night Jesus died. It says the earth quaked and the graves opened and some that were dead were, ris- were, were raised to new life. The earth quaked. Why? Was God angry? Was God condemned? Was God, was God somehow bringing, bringing us a sense of, uh, of, uh, of destruction in those moments? No, his weight was landing on the earth, on our world in a powerful, transformative way because of what Jesus was doing at the cross. And his weight, land, his weight of condemnation landed on Jesus but his weight of rescue, he was here to rescue us in that same way. When God shows up, it is all, it's always to rescue his people. It's always to rescue his people and to condemn his son. Because of that condemnation, because the weight of his condemnation landed on Jesus, he can always show up in our lives and in the lives to quake us for good, for rescue, for hope. And we see that in the life of the church here. It, and then it always, you know, we, uh, we're describing here, Luke's describing how we know when God shows up. How do we know whether God's at work in a situation? How do we know if something that's happening is for good or for evil? We know it because the earthquakes and the, and the weight of his glory is, is showing up to rescue us. But we also know some other things in this passage, if you, if you will, because when, when, the, uh, when the presence of God shows up, uh, oddities occur. Oddities that, um, that 
are clearly not human nature. And in this passage, there are a number of things that reflect the fingerprints of God, but not the fingerprints of humanity. For, you know, a couple of those things you might mention. In, this, in their prayer, the one thing you notice about their prayer, the one thing you should notice about their prayer, um, which is very odd, is, and it's very unlike the prayers. I don't know if this prayer is the way you pray. It's certainly oftentimes not the way I pray, because the way that I, the, the way that I often pray, or the way that you might have expected them to pray, is to say, uh, is to go to God complaining about their circumstances and, and praying that God would change their circumstances. Lord, we're being persecuted. This isn't right. Save, save John and save Peter. You know, uh, uh, bring us, you know, uh, change, our, change our setting. Make it easier for us to live in this world because of the way, and in our community because of, the, because of the persecution that's resulting of the word of God being spread. God, where are you? Show up in some respects and do change our situation. This is uncomfortable. This is often the way we pray. We go asking God to change what's going on. They don't ask for any change in their circumstances. They give God praise for how he has already worked. And they say, change me. Change us. Change us that we would be bolder to face the struggle that our world is in, that their community is in. It wasn't to change the circumstances. It wasn't to condemn the leaders. It wasn't to bring down the people who were causing the oppression. It was to say, help us be bolder about your mission. That's not... That's not normal for humanity to be more concerned about God's mission than about their circumstances. The normal, the normal course of humanity is to be more concerned about my situation and, okay, yeah, maybe God's mission. How, I mean, how often do we as humans, how often do we as people, and, we're, and you know, you're all, you know, you're church-going people. How often do we think about God's mission? Is everything in your life, does it revolve around what God's, how God's purpose in your life to accomplish his mission in this world? Not just preachers, but all of God's community. The centrality of what he's doing in his world, the centrality of what God is trying to accomplish, and not just in terms of speaking, but in terms of we want, we want to bring... What, what does it go on to say? They were more concerned not about changing their circumstances, but about changing them so that they would be bolder in preaching the word, in, in advancing the mission, and bolder in, in being the hands and feet to bring healing to the world. Lord, let there be signs and wonders done that we can bring more healing, that we can mend some wounds that they'd be so concerned for the, for the woundedness of the people around them and of their, and of the, and of the, uh, of their community, that's not normal for humanity. What's normal for humanity is to be concerned for my wounds, to be concerned for what's, my, what's causing my, me trouble. But they're saying they're looking outside of themselves. We, we're concerned about your mission and we're concerned that, you, that, that, that your word be, be, be spread boldly and prolifically, and that we would be able to bring healing, grace to the people around us. 
How do you know when God shows up? When people start thinking in these ideas. When people start thinking more in terms of how can God win in this situation? How can his word be advanced? And how can his grace be be promoted in terms of healing the people around them? Another, Another couple of things you'll notice. It says, all the believers were one. Okay. How do you know when God shows up? Unity. When people are more concerned to be unified, one in heart and mind? I've been living with the same woman for 30, over 30 years. I'm heart, I don't know that I'm one with her in heart and mind. Most of the time, and most of the time she thinks I'm out of my mind. Unity is unity and connectedness and oneness is the hardest thing in the world. And so when that exi- when that's when that happens, when we see it happening, we we go we have to see that as a, a reflection of God at work, not humanity at work, not my own nature. It doesn't come naturally to be united with with another person with a group of people to to develop a community that is one in heart and mind another thing that we see that shows me the fingerprints of god that god is quaking that god is disturbing the the natural order of things not only when they're more concerned about mission, not only when they're more concerned about healing of others and bringing the grace of God, and when, they start, and when they're unified in heart and mind, that they, they're more concerned about what binds them than what divides them. That's, those are the fingerprints of God. Another fingerprint, when they want to share stuff. Um, growing up, uh, I think all my kids struggled with sharing. I mean, I think, don't we all, at some point or another, we struggle to share. Um, one or the other at different times, you know, um, struggle with it. Yeah, I can remember a couple of times with one, with one of my kids, um, they were really getting to the place where they were trying to push past their desire not to share. And, it, and uh, the, the reason I knew this is because when this person... Um, was asked to share something that was maybe something that they treasured, the, um, the, the request would come, hey, can I borrow, can I have such and such? And then there, would be, then there would be a pause. And in the pause, I could, I could, I could see them all doing the internal process of surrender. And then it was, after a long pause, it was, yes, you can. And then, it would, and then the change would occur. Sharing is, is not natural for humans. And so when it, when it happens, when generosity like this happens, it's because God has landed on us. Because it's a sign that God is at work, that God has quaked our hearts and disrupted the natural order of things for us to be generous, to start giving things away. People are, it says, Luke says, how generous did this sharing occur? It got so generous. People are selling land and, and houses. They're selling, they're selling their houses in order to care for the needs of others.
That's, and, 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 then, and then he goes in to talk about a, a man who sells a field and lays, it, lays the resources at the apostles' feet. I sold it. Here, do, do what you need to do. That kind of generosity does not happen naturally in the human heart. It has to be, it has to be urged out. It has to be the result of what God, God's grace accomplishes in the lives of his people to begin giving away things. And the, reason we, and the reason we don't share, the reason that we don't, isn't, about self, isn't as much about selfishness as it is about fear. The reason that we don't share is out of fear. The reason that my child in that same story did, wasn't sharing, if we were to get down to the root of it, it's that they were afraid. They're afraid. What are we afraid of? They're, we're, we're afraid that it's going to get ruined, that it's going to get lost, that I won't be able to have another one. The reason that you and I don't share isn't because we're necessarily stingy. It's because we, we're afraid that if I give the resources away, I won't have enough for me. And that's why, and that's the, that's the natural course of things. That's human nature to think that. But when the gospel shows up, when, when God shows up in a human heart, when God captures the life of a person, it changes, it quakes the inner soul, and they and they're not so concerned about how they're going to survive because they know he has my back. And he gave me all this stuff. And if I give it away, he'll give me more stuff when he thinks that I need it and when he knows that I, I'm, I need to progress. That the, the, the place where I put, the place where, when God shows up in a human heart, the place where that heart is placing all of their weight is on God caring for them, not them caring for them by trying to hold on to what I have to manage my resources, that God will do what I need when I need it. And putting, the, putting my full weight on that idea. We, we, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer says that, I, you know, um, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Do you believe that God will give you your daily bread? Do you believe that God will give you your daily bread such that you might pray, Lord, I need my daily bread. I need, res I need these particular resources. It, the reason that the, that, the, that, the, that the people are praying for these huge, great, amazing things, to be bold, to heal, for miraculous signs of wonder and grace that would transform the community, that, that, God, would, that God would win in this situation, that the, the kind of unity that, that exists that's, that's not natural in any way. The reason that they're praying these big prayers is because they believed in a big God. Often our prayers are so small because we don't really believe that God will do the things he says and promises he will do in our lives. And so we pray small things rather than praying for the big things. And there's also a certain sense where we pray for the small things because we don't want, we do, we, we don't want to somehow, um, we don't want to be let down by God. If I pray the big thing and he doesn't come through, then, then he'll let me down. And I just shouldn't have prayed that big. And, the, and, and when people have told me that, I, you know, that they don't pray the big thing because they don't want to be let down by God, they don't want to have to live through another disappointment, I go, I, I say, God's a big boy. He can take care of himself. 
you don't have to protect God's image by praying small things that he can do the small thing, but he can't do the big thing. Pray for the big thing because the earth shakes. Pray for the big thing in you and in, in others because that's the unusual thing when God, we know God shows up when there's unity, when there's generosity, when people are more concerned about healing of the community than about protection of themselves, when they're more concerned about the mission than they are, about their own advancement of their own situation. And down further, um, this man Joseph uh, strikes me. Part of the reason they, t- they mention the, Joseph sto- the, j- the story about Joseph is because of what's coming in the, coming in the next chapter because there's another cu- a couple that that sell a field and things didn't go as planned as it did with Joseph. But the other thing that strikes me about Joseph, that's not, they didn't call him Joseph. They called him Barnabas. It says, there was a man, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas. Um, it's interesting, that was his nickname. His name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas. Why? And Luke tells us why. It's because he was such an encourager. He's a son of encouragement. He's, he, all he does is encourage people, so that's what they call him. Mr. Encouragement. Glad Joseph's here. Hey, Mr. Encouragement's here. Hey! You know, it's like, like the, old, the old sitcom series, Cheers, when Norm would walk into the bar. Norm! There's a, and and. The reason I point this out, the reason I think Luke is pointing this out is because how do we know when God shows up? People start encouraging people. It turns, it turns us into people who, are, who, are have, who, who have a word of grace, a word of hope, a word of positive influence in the lives such that it becomes our reputation. Joseph Son of encouragement. Not natural to him. It says he was a Levite. Levite, those were the, those were the sort of uh, bean counters of the, religious, of the religious establishment who had come to faith. The legalists who were, you know, who were scrutinizing over the tiniest little things and how, you know, making sure that everybody got all, everything right down to the T's and the I's. Crossing the T's, dotting the I's. That kind of temperament isn't generally given to encouragement because that kind of temperament generally sees things and goes, you know, you, you forgot to dot your eye over here. But not this guy. When Jesus showed up in his life, it changed him. He didn't see the defects. He saw the opportunity to find a way to encourage the people around him. What happens when God shows up in the human heart? It quakes the human heart. Not for good, but for rescue. To rescue us from our bean counting to become encouragers. Rescue us from our fear to become generous. Rescues us from our isolation to become unified with others and more of what's in common. Rescues us from our own myopic approach to life and our mission to his mission with boldness and joy. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you are showing up in your world to change us, to, to, to shake things up, to make us more into the image of your son. Father, I pray that we would be able to, that you give us the power and willingness to cooperate with that process because you have taken the condemnation. You have taken the destructive quake away 
And now you simply shake things up at the root of us to make us more beautiful, to make us more useful, to make us more glorifying to you in the process of changing your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.